Hello, Saints. Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not, in Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Be assured, friends, that anyone who has not devoured, diligently studied God's word has no business attempting to be used of God or ministering or pretending to minister. Uh, That person has no foundation. First of all, in their own personal life, in much less to attempt to be a communicator and a person who tells people about God, but is not obeying God themselves. That's the reason for the great apostasy, which was foretold that we are now seeing in full swing and beyond. Around us, you've got people that have departed from the faith. They haven't departed from the pulpits. It didn't say that, First Timothy 4, 1 and 2. It said they've departed from the faith. They haven't departed from writing books. That's what I want to talk a little bit about today. On a regular basis, and for many years, people I know and people I don't know that I just meet or whatever, or get emails from or talk to in person or phone calls, you know, they, they express the desire to write a book. Most of them being Christians, they have, you know, this idea and they want to write it in a book. That's not a bad thing. That's not sinful. But in the realm of the kingdom of Christ, it may be God that's putting that on your heart. But the time is not yet to do any ministry, including penning a message about the Lord and pertaining to the Lord in a book, which is just another medium of communication. Okay, God is not leading anyone to author any writing at all about him, including a book, unless such a person is so buried in the word of God, the holy scriptures, that his every thought and meditation is the word of God. And when that person opens his mouth, it's a stream of of holy scripture, beloved, nothing else but holy scripture. You know, that's actually the model of ministry. Let me stop right here to say, listen, ministry is what we're talking about here in general also, and most importantly, but you know, a book is just, if you're a Christian, you're probably trying to write a book to help people know the Lord. But if you're not doing that in the order of God, then that is going to be a failed ministry project or attempt that you are going to personally give account to God for because what you're doing is misleading other people. The law of Genesis 1 tells us that the seed produces after its own kind. This is something that we should meditate upon. Uh, You cannot, I cannot produce after anything that we ourselves aren't already ourselves. In other words, it has to be a living 
revelation in my own life being lived out before I can impart it to others correctly. It's been wisely stated that I cannot lead anyone anywhere that I'm not first willing to go myself. You see, we have to submit ourselves to God and on his uh, terms, not our own. And that would include devouring daily the word of God. Anyone who's not in the word daily uh, is not fit for ministry, but also is not even right with God. They've already fallen away. They're backslidden. If, if you're not in the word daily, you're not denying yourself daily, taking up your cross and following Jesus. You're not following him at all. He is a second class citizen in your life at best. And therefore you have no business pretending to represent him because you're not obeying him yourself. Now make no mistake, my friends, the beloved of God is who you are. If you truly are known of him, don't make any mistake about this. God is always in the motion of deepening his kingdom roots in his people. When we bring forth fruit, we yield ourselves to the Lord, those that are born again. He purges us so that we bring forth more fruit and then much fruit. There's a progression, 30, 60, 100 fold, as Jesus taught elsewhere. John 15, 1 through 16 is paramount truth that Jesus taught concerning this. And one of the things he says is that, again, the Lord purges us when fruit is born in our lives. And let me stop to say this. If you've got fruit being born in your life, don't be surprised when God puts you through another season of testing, trying, and purging. It's going to happen for the rest of our lives. We might as well strap in and adjust to it and just do it. Just let him bring you through it. Uh, The good news is that you are actually in Christ. Hallelujah. You're bearing fruit. Now God wants to do a deeper work. Remember, he's the potter, we're the clay, amen? And he wants to do a deeper work so that he can, he can bring forth much more fruit. Notice the progression in this order. John 15 speaks of fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Go find that in John 15 and underline it and take note, meditating upon it. Selah, think on these things. Okay, so fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Jesus is always seeking to bless us to be dead and buried deeper with him so that there will be greater and greater fruit or resurrection, a grace operating in our lives. It's a blessed thing. And, you know, if we begin to see things from a kingdom, a biblical perspective, things are going to get much richer So as we begin to understand the things of God and why God is doing those things. You know, yesterday I was doing a little ministry and was sharing with some brothers that my brother and I, I was 19, he was 20, and we daringly, in full knowledge of what lied ahead of us, if you will, best we could know, chose to be inducted into United States Marine Corps boot camp. And I was telling these two brothers about how when we got off the plane and got onto a bus there in San, at San Diego International Airport, we were blessed. I wasn't even saved at that point. But this guy gets on the bus. He's a Marine. He's an actual Marine. Uh, we were not Marines. You're not a Marine. So you finished the three-month boot camp and uh, you're just a recruit. But this fella came directly to my brother and I. And what a blessing. He 
went past, you know, might have been 10 or 15 people and stopped right at us. And he said, hey, man, I want to tell you what to expect in this boot camp. He said, they're going to try to break you. They're going to do everything in the world to break you. They're going to there's going to be two or three of them screaming at you in your face, commanding you to do, you know, push ups, mountain climbers, jumping to all this different stuff for an hour or two. Just you. They're going to concentrate on breaking every single recruit because what they want to do is eliminate any weak links because when the Marine Corps is on the battlefield there can be no weak links there can be no hesitation in any kind of a command that is given to a Marine from an officer or a sergeant to do it now regardless of the cost and so this fella proceeded to let us know inform us ahead of time right before we were going to be arriving at Marine Corps boot camp he said look they're going to make you do stuff like sweep a staircase a stairwell with a toothbrush. They are going to absolutely annihilate you. And he only told us a few things. Let me tell you, after going through Marine Corps boot camp, I could spend a whole lot of time telling you a whole lot more that they did on, but it was all with the same purpose. And that was to destroy and remove you. And if possible, they wanted to break you and get rid of you. We started the platoon. I was in 72, I believe, recruits. 47 made it through. And of course, all 72 were handpicked. So anyway, the same thing. Well, let me say this. That helped my brother and I realize that what we were going through in boot camp, what they were doing was not to be taken so personal, but to die to all of that and realize, you know what? They're doing this to break us, to break me in order to eliminate me if I'm not going to be a person who is a person of integrity and endurance that will endure to the end, will not quit, will obey without question. You see, and that's what we should there are many things we should realize about the king of the kingdom. And as this, as we learn his word, we're, we're going to understand and be able to, to yield to the Lord in our lives when he's purging us, allowing things to happen in our lives. I, I don't know about you, friend, but there, there's been many times where I said, wow, Lord, why are you letting this happen? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Anybody else out there know what I'm talking about? When you get a revelation of what Jesus teaches us in John 15, I want you to pour over that passage. And let me say this, John 17 and 15 are absolute essential foundational framework for your Christian life. Chapter 17, Jesus prays that we would be one with him and the Father. Pray that every day. Lord, make me one with you. Somebody says, well, what does that really mean? How can I pray it if I don't understand it? Well, you can pray it because it's the word of God and Jesus prayed it. If that isn't enough authority, Already nothing is. Amen. Pray God would make you one with him and the Father. Inner penetration. And also John 15, as we we're talking about now, and it's that Lord bless me today to abide in you so that great fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit be produced in my life, Lord. I yield myself afresh to you. Okay, back to our message about ministry in general, including if you want to write a book, Nehemiah 8.8 8 sets the course. This is the first chapter of the book Predators in our pulpits is predicated on and based on this, beginning with this particular verse and the truth of it. It says, so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly. You see, in the days of Nehemiah, the 
elders stood up and they read the book of the word of God, the law of God distinctly. They went through scripture. That's rare today to go to a Bible study, even to go to some Christian group, cell group or small group, or definitely if you're going to go sit in some kind of so-called service, it's very rare to have somebody that's scripturally intensive. You know what I mean? Because then again, all they're doing, most of them is just trying to entertain people and get them to come back. So they don't preach the full counsel of God. They definitely don't want to go deep in the word. These are counterfeits, my friend. And that that accounts for most people that are in so-called leadership, spiritual leadership in the modern apostate church world. So it says this, Nehemiah 8.8, I want you to grab that verse. It's part of the reason why we fellowship and let the word of Christ, it is to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, abundantly. And we teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Colossians 3, 16 is to learn Bible verses. If you throw a verse out there that I either forgot or I'm not aware of, I'm going to grab it. And that ought to make us happy. It's not our word. It's God's word. Okay, so grab this one, Nehemiah 8, 8. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly, that is, as they stood, the elders stood before the people of God. And watch this, they and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So they read the word of God itself. This sums up ministry right here, especially the ministry in particular the word of, of the word of God. You read the word of God, you read it together and aloud, and you give the sense of it and cause, and it causes the people to begin to understand the word itself. You see, true servants of Jesus uphold his word as the absolute final divine authority. And you'll know that because they're scripturally intensive. Everything they do is scripture rich. Okay. Anybody not scripture rich in ministry is absolutely false. And if that's true, that would account, as I said earlier, for most people, the vast majority that are in ministry positions today. The ones God is using, literally using, most people in ministry, God isn't really using. And if he is, it's in spite of them, not because of them. But we don't want to be a part of those because while God can use us, he can also send us to eternal damnation in the end, which he'll do with every false teacher or everyone and anyone who speaks any other gospel, in other words, any variation of the truth we have on record in the Holy Scriptures, any other gospel, okay? All right, so we must be scripture intensive. And if we're not in our own daily life, God isn't calling us to do any kind of ministry at this point. He wants to deepen us in the word of God, deepen us in him. And you can't separate the two. You're not going deeper in God if you're not going deeper in his word. See, we must cry out with Job, who said that he had not turned from the holy scriptures and that he counted them, the words of God, He esteemed them to be greater than, he esteemed them higher than, more important to himself than his own necessary food. Job 23, 12, neither have I gone back from the commandment, the word of thy lip. He's talking to the Lord. I have esteemed the words of of his mouth more than my 
necessary food. Job 23.12, that's a memory verse. 1 Peter 2.2, as newborn babes desire, and that's what most people are, even if they supposedly got saved many years ago. They're still babes. By by lack of use of the Word of God, Hebrews 5.14, 1 Peter 2.2, desire, he tells us what to desire, the sincere, the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. There will be no growth. If you're born again, there will be no growth. In fact, there'll be a falling away, as I mentioned earlier, if you're not devouring, desiring and devouring the Word of God on a daily basis. Well, brother, you're being legalistic, telling me I got to get up every morning. Well, that's the problem right there. If it's a if it's a burden to you, you haven't really repented. You see, his commandments are not grievous to those who truly love and know him and worship him. First John 5, 3, you haven't repented. If that sounds like it's burdensome, you see, those who know and are known of the Lord, most importantly, delight in him. The scripture says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desire of your heart, which will be his desire, because you'll be permeated with his presence and his will and desires as you seek his face. Amen. Joshua 1, 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. That's a summation of what true success and prosperity are in a kingdom, eternal perspective. And that's getting in the Word, staying in the Word, meditating on the Word, and speaking, communicating the Word of God. We need to let God speak for himself by simply quoting and referring and going through Scripture, which is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. Notice 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As every man has received the gift, even so ministers, talking about ministry, the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now watch this. If any man speak, ah, let me ask you, friend, do you desire to be used of God? Here you go. Notice the instruction. If any man speak, that is in ministry or ministering to others, communicating the goodness of God to them or any part of God. Notice, if any man speak, let him do what? Let him speak as of the oracles. That's specifically the recorded written word of God. Uh, another memory truth here, First Peter 4, 11, if any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles of God. Preach the word, Second Timothy 4, 2, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering, and what? Doctrine. Preach the word word and only the word. Let God speak for himself. Let him use you. And I tell you what, when you get this conviction, as only the Holy Spirit can do in your life, as you decide to repent and turn your life over to him, he will. God's going to be able to use you much more from that moment on that you count God's word as final authority because you realize that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it alone is profitable for doctrine, correction, reproof, and instruction in righteousness. And first, that sword has to work in us, to teach us sound doctrine, doctrine correction, to correct us in any belief that is not biblical, reproof and instruct us in righteousness ourselves. We cannot lead anyone any place that we aren't willing to go ourselves. Getting into God's word will assure that God's word will get into you and never before. God's word will not get into me if I don't get into it. God's word will not do its circumcising work in my heart if I 
am not applying that sword, shining the light of truth, divine truth into my heart every day. And the Bible says the entrance of his words giveth light, L-I-G-H-T. Guess what? Our hearts are dark and they're going to revert back to that darkness and that evil very quickly, immediately. Have you noticed in your own personal life? I sure have. If the light of God's word is not shining in our hearts, flooding those dark places and recesses. That's another memory verse, Psalm 119, 130. The entrance of his words giveth light. Are his words, is the light of divine truth entering into, is it being shown if you will point it and beamed into your heart every day, friend, God's word, the truth will not permeate your life unless you come away with Jesus. You make the quality decision to obey God and to set yourself apart unto him. I love, and by the way, that's the only way God's going to use you, okay, in any fashion of depth. Proverbs 18.1, listen to this. This is another verse of meditation and memorization. Notice Proverbs 18.1, scripture says, through desire. Desire. Notice through desire. That's probably the most important part, the most pivotal and foundational part of this truth here. Through desire, a man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Wow. I don't pretend to be able to take 30 minutes to expound upon this, but I encourage you to meditate on it. Notice it's through desire that a man separates himself unto God and communes with, if you will, seeks out, studies and searches out and intermeddles with all wisdom. That is the fa- from the fountain of wisdom, which is the word of God. Amen. Do you have a desire to today. If you do, it will drive you, friend, to separate yourself unto Christ, as he called you to do in that quiet place, that prayer closet, Matthew 6, 6, to come away with him all by yourself and seek him and his truth and entwine yourself inner metal yourself commune with his truth which is his wisdom the word of god that's through desire desire drives it all some people we all know and maybe i'm speaking to some of you also about this they they want they supposedly want to get in shape they want to lose so many pounds and get toned and muscular which is a good desire by the way it's not the most important in your life by any stretch but let's just use that as the illustration only a very small percentage of them is actually ever going to accomplish the goal of getting fit because only a few of them really have the desire. Only a few of them will allow themselves to get fed up enough looking at that fat in the mirror to actually take action, lay the axe to the root, stop the diet they have, go on a water-only diet for a few days. By the way, we can use that. Those two could work together with fasting and prayer. Okay. Now you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But I want to talk about this stuff because this, in the same way that we see that all around us, people supposedly wanting to get fit. I mean, that's a multi, probably, it's definitely a multi-billion dollar industry. Diets and workout and all that. And that alone tells you it's driven by all of the people that have a desire to get fit and to eat healthy. But there's only a very small, minute few that will actually follow through with it. Desire is one thing and diligence yet another. The diligence is the follow through to bring forth the desired result. In the same way in the kingdom of Christ, you got 
all kinds of people that claim to be loving Jesus, but only a few will allow the desire in themselves to fester, to truly love the Lord enough to put everything else aside, beginning with the God of self, and to crucify the God of self so that they can be separated or in separating with and unto the Lord and seek an inner metal, commune with all wisdom. Amen. Where is your desire today, friend? Are you more interested in being an author to, or in doing ministry of some kind than you are in knowing Jesus and becoming more and more rooted daily in him, planted by the rivers of water where your life is drinking in the blessed nutrients of the Lord? In communion with him. Doesn't it talk about that in the book of Psalms? Is it like chapter 1, also chapter 92, verse 13 says, those that be planted, uh, let's start in verse 12, Psalm 92, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. I love that. Are you ready to flourish in the Lord? Are you delighting yourself in the Lord? Okay, verse 13, Psalm 92, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. There it is again, flourish in the courts of our God. Are you flourishing in the courts of our God? If not, it's probably because you're not planted in the house of the Lord. Now, the house of the Lord here does not mean your local church, even though they like to use this verse to make you feel like you're not in the house of of the Lord until you walk through their doors, okay? They, they, they got a business plan. That's why they're telling you that. It's a lie. The New Testament tells us that we are the temples, the vessels of the living God in First and Second Corinthians. Vessels, temples of a living God, okay? God wants worship. He wants celebration and obedience and love between you and Him. Nothing else matters, including going into somebody's business they call a church, and they also call it the house of the Lord. That's ridiculous. But be planted in the Lord, beloved. You don't have to wait till Sunday. Jesus told you to serve him every day. If it's not every day, it's not at all. We need to break out of this churchianity. And that might mean somebody out there needs to stop going to that house of spiritual whoredoms, that fake church, and get along with God on Sunday morning. Maybe spend a few hours in prayer and the word of God. Amen. Drink your coffee, stay in your pajamas and read. Get lost in the word of God. Amen. Celebrate Jesus. Repent, give him thanksgiving, ask him, cry out to him to refresh you and give you a heart of flesh and establish his roots deep in you. Amen. Notice verse 14, Psalm 92. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. This goes back to John 15, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Those who truly desire more of the Lord and to be thereafter used of him will separate themselves unto him, as we read in Proverbs 18, verse 1. He will do his work, ever deepening work in these true disciples and will use them mightily. You can be assured of that, but there are no shortcuts. There's so many people that want to be used of God, so they claim, but they're not willing to lay down their lives and seek the Lord and to come away with the Lord and allow the desire for him to consume them and separate themselves unto him, seeking and intermeddling with all wisdom from God and the word of God. Any person, friends, that 
is naming the name of Christ, who is not learning to yield in the crucified life daily that Jesus called us to, that person isn't full of God's word, and they have no business attempting to do any kind of ministry, including writing a book for a God they don't even love enough to see and obey. Such a person is not right with God themselves, much less to attempt to speak for the Lord, the Lord they, they don't even love enough to obey. You see, the world is full of fake, flimsy, Christian, so-called Christian books and literature that fill bookstores right now as we speak. Everywhere, as you flip through most of these so-called Christian books, written, oh, any of them, just about most of them, not all of them, but most, the vast majority, over the last few decades, so-called Christian books, immediately one of the things you notice is that the author is absolutely arrogant, self-centered, and not Savior-centered. Uh, why? Because his book isn't scripture-rich. And why isn't it scripture-rich? Well, it's obvious to conclude. You see that he thinks more highly of himself than Christ. He's all about telling you what he knows, his take on things, his philosophy on things. If not, he'd have been stating what God says about it, no matter what the topic is. Okay, from Holy Scripture, letting God speak for himself. And the Lord says that all things that pertain un unto life and godliness are found in all his holy scriptures. There's no lack of them. There's just a lack of people that will truly obey God and let him speak for himself by stating scripture. And let that be the King James Bible. That's another thing you notice from counterfeits who publish so-called Christian books and mislead people. Okay, this is what I'd call the second blaring error of today's apostate so-called Christian books. When you flip through them, if they do and when they do state a scripture, it's normally every 10 or 20 pages, if at all. They're using some kind of fake, laughable, corrupted fairy tale Bible, quote unquote Bible, the easy standard or e the English standard version or the NASB, New American Standard, NIV, laughably. Even the New King James is, is perverted. You can check it out on the Bible versions category on safeguardyoursoul.com. Put your seatbelt on. All right. Thirdly, in today's so-called Christian books, there is no cross. There's no judgment. There's no repentance. Why? They're trying to sell books, man. That's what it's all about, right? To them it is because their God is their belly. They're carnal greedy appetites, Philippians 3, 18 and 19. You see, there's no cross, there's no judgment, no repentance, no heaven, no hell, no personal holiness, nothing about Jesus and Christology from the scriptures. See, it's the modern apostate false gospel. It's another gospel. The foundational truths of the word of God, the cardinal essential doctrines of the Christian faith are nowhere to be found. Okay, do you, let me ask you this, do you want to be another casualty? I mean, is that what you want to be, a false prophet going to hell? You guaranteed that your damnation slumbers not. That's what Peter said concerning all false teachers and false prophets. 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3. It's time to repent. Speaking of this, please, I want to encourage you to make the quality decision that you're going to repent today. You're going to study. You're going to become enthralled in Jesus and in his word, the King James Bible, and not some lame counterfeit. The last thing we need, I think we'll agree, is yet another so-called quote-unquote Christian person or book speaking using verses from a counterfeit Bible. Many of them use, they grab anything they can get that says what they want it to say, like Rick the Devil Warren. They use like over 20 versions of the Bible in his purpose-driven life garbage and 
Antichrist never calls for repentance book. That's an example. Godly people are full of holy conviction and cannot possibly remain with Satan's corruptions, his corrupted Bibles. And I would say that based on if you compare verse for verse, you're not going to be able to stay with that garbage if you're truly of the Lord. Now, if you are of God, you have a desire to be used of God, but we have to do it his way. You see, it may be the Lord himself that has put it in your heart to communicate for him, to use every and any medium possible in today's technology in this late hour to communicate the truth to him, which many Christians are doing and we should all be doing daily. Yet God, even though he put it in your heart to minister for him, he's not going to use you if you refuse to lay down your life in this world, to repent and to get into his word so that his word can get into you and count it to be the final, the highest, final divine authority. Amen. It's the highest and final divine authority. The scriptures cannot be broken. John 10 35, Jesus said, 2 Timothy 2 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2:15. study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the only way we're going to be able to write divide the word of truth to understand it correctly in order to give the sense of it after directly relating itself. You see, we many times approach ministry with the idea that we're going to do the talking and we're going to explain to people. You see, we're trying to explain people into the truth, whether to be lost or saved, instead of letting God's word do the work. See, because his word alone never comes back void, but it always accomplishes that which for which he sends it. Isaiah 55, 11. See, intermeddling, communing with all wisdom, remember, Proverbs 18.1, it involves becoming engrossed or enthralled and enveloped in the word of Christ and letting it dwell in you and among us as believers richly or abundantly. This involves desiring the Lord so much so that you're willing to turn off, tune out the distractions of the world and to dive into a deepening, ever deepening fellowship with him and his word into a life of prayer. Those who are content to be shallow, shallow rooted or a dime a dozen. But Psalm 42, 7 says, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All the waves, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Notice, deep calleth unto deep. Is God calling you to go deeper with him today, beloved? I want to encourage you to answer that prayer. I do want to encourage you to listen to the Lord and get alone with him. Tune everything out. Deep is calling to deep. But will you answer the call? Will you be, if you answer that call, fruit, then more fruit and much fruit is going to be produced in your life. John 15, Proverbs 22, 17 through 21. This is such a platinum gold little passage here. I want you to capture it. If you're driving, please don't write it down. But if you're not, I want you to look this up and pour over it. Let's talk about it. Proverbs 22, 17 through 21. Proverbs 22. Just read the whole chapter if you forget the verse. Or write it down, 22, 17 through 21. It's about five verses here, four or five. Notice Proverbs 22, 17 through 21. Bow down thine ear. I mean, this thing could be breaking. You could write a whole book off this passage, but we're just going to read through it and touch on a couple of things. Bow down thine ear. There you go. Let your desire be for more of the Lord, more of his word. Amen. Okay, bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise. That's action words. Bow 
bow down your ear, hear the words of the wise. That would be the word of the Lord in particular. And apply thine heart unto my knowledge, God says here. Apply your heart to his knowledge, his word. We have it on record. His knowledge is in record, on record, tangible form. For it is a pleasant thing if thou keep them within thee. You see, we can't get the word in us unless we get in the word. See, you want to keep the word of God in you? Well, it's a pleasant thing to do so. He says here, they shall, the words of God, with all be fitted in thy lip. There it is. When you're so full of the word of God, beloved, his words are going to be fitted in your lips, not your words, not what you think or not what somebody you heard say. You heard somebody else say it. No, it's going to be a continual stream of holy scripture. Amen. That thy trust may be in the Lord. Notice faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Faith, trust. When you get rooted in the word, you're going to be trusting God like never before. I have made known to thee this day. See, he says, so that your trust would be in me. I've made known. This is such a love letter, isn't it? Man, this is amazing. I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. Have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge? Wow. Don't you love that? That I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth. Amen. The cert- Not only know the truth, but know and be captured by the certainty of the words of truth. Oh, you want to be certain about what you believe. Or you want to, do you want to know why you believe what you believe? Well, he's telling you how right here. And then he says that thou mightest answer. There it is. The words of truth to them that send them. See, you're going to be doing ministry when people come to you. And when you're communicating the word of God anywhere anytime, on any medium, in a book, on the internet, standing behind a pulpit, you're going to be speaking the Word of God. You see, you're going to have the Word. You're going to be loaded up with the Word of God. The Scripture says in 1 Peter 3.15 that we are to do just that. We're to be able to give an answer to every man that asketh us a reason of the hope that is in us. 1 Peter 3.15. Notice Proverbs 23.23. Buy the truth. Buy it. Obtain it and sell it not. Regardless of the platform, the format, the medium of communication. If God is going to be glorified in your labor, friend, he must first be glorified in your personal life. This requires the cross. If God is going to use you publicly, he must also first have you privately. If you meet with God in private and commune with the word of God and with him in prayer, and as you have a relationship, an abiding intimate relationship with him, he's going to use you publicly. But only those who are willing to set themselves apart part unto him privately will be used by him publicly. Matthew 6, 6 expresses that point also. Those who are known of God will be used of God. How much do you, friend, want to be used of God? That's a big question, and the answer is going to be proven in what you do from this moment forward. See, true disciples of Christ will strictly preach his word. God can trust them. They're honorable with integrity before him. They let him speak for himself by giving people the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, the answer to something that comes up, somebody asks you a question or whatever, just just be honest. Say, look, that is a great question. Let me explore and study that. In fact, let's do it together or whatever. Get back with them. Don't, Don't throw something out there. It's not scripture. If you don't know the scriptures, don't say anything. Then you're liable, right? Uh, such disciples have never been more needed in this late than they are in this late hour, where we see so many departing from the truth. So many, as we spoke about earlier. We are to preach the word, 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4. We're to 
Do what? Preach what? The word and only the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. In other words, no matter when and where, it's going to be the word. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and what doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. See, people are running to these vile wolves who are tickling their ears, but they're still a people. They're still people that want the truth. Amen. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables or stories and fairy tales. Okay, uh, being immersed in the Word of God is required. It's required if you're going to be used of God. You're proving your, you're given an earnest of your integrity before God, that you're loading up with the Word of God so that you can be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you. Every time you communicate the Word of God or communicate the things of God, it's going to be from the Word of God, navigating through it. Being immersed in the Word of God is required for being used of God to speak for, to communicate His oracles. Again, 1 Peter 4, 11, If any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles, the written words of God. Those who are truly of God, let God... God speak for himself by quoting, by stating the words of God, not their own. Amen. Or not any other philosophy. Okay. So true servants of the Lord are always going to uphold his word as final authority. We must be aware. It's Colossians 2.8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Colossians 2.8. Will you become just another false prophet, false minister, or will you be used mightily of the Lord? Now, that depends on whether or not you truly repent and set yourself apart to the Lord. Never mind sharing your thoughts or foolish philosophies or what you think or what I think. It's all trash. That's exactly what false prophets do. They share something else other than the Word of God. That's what they're communicating, not the Word. Now, it's time for us. It is high time beloved, for us to truly repent, to get right with God and to walk with Jesus, immersing ourselves in prayer and diligent daily, deep study of the word of God in the King James Bible. This is the only way the Lord is going to circumcise your heart, cutting away all the evil thoughts and evil fleshly imaginations. And it's still in you and still deeply in you, permeate you with his holy truth so that his word is what you communicate. Amen. The cross right here. You must die. You must lay down your life. Door nailed dead. It's over. Only then is Jesus going to raise you up and use you. Otherwise, you are going to be propelled of Satan and used as a false prophet. Doesn't matter if you're known a lot or a little, you're still a false prophet in the eyes of God, and you're going to be kindling for the fires of, a, of eternal damnation. Amen. Now, if you will lay down your life, you will be dead and buried with Christ. Romans 6, God is going to raise you up and use you. He is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is, and he will raise you up to be used of him. And that's what God wants to do. He wants you to be able to be used of him. He wants to use you, but you're going to have to do it his way and no other. Okay, and if you're sitting under a ministry that is not teaching some of those things we talked about earlier, you need to get out of there. You're in an apostate environment. It's time to go down deep into the death of Christ or else there will be no raising up, no resurrection life. We need to be looking for a demotion today, not a promotion. John 3.30, what does that say? The cross. John the Baptist cried out, 
Lord, you must increase, but I must decrease. If you're not dead and buried today, it's not Christ who's raising you up. You see, and there's some listening to me that are doing ministry, but they're propelled by their own self-will. They're self-directed. They're self-appointed. You got to come away with the Lord. You got to be set apart with the Lord. He's not calling you to minister yet until you're so full of his word and so crucified with Christ that it's only Christ shining in you and his word speaking through you. See, whatever goes up must come down unless it's Christ who's bringing you up, upward, raising you up in his resurrection grace. As you choose to daily be dead and buried, the cross is central to Christ's kingdom. It's non-negotiable, friend, even though we never hear that message in these apostate churches. Okay, and as we close, friend, remember the way of Christ is the way of the cross. God's kingdom is a cross kingdom. It's all the way through the scriptures. The way of the cross is the way of Christ, non-negotiably. He must increase, but we must decrease. John 3.30. I want you to memorize that and declare it every day, along with Galatians 2.20, that you are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live yet not you, not I, but Christ that liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As we close, perhaps we could pray a prayer that goes something like this. Precious Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. I come afresh, Lord, here and now, if never before, I admit my own foolishness, my own iniquity, my own selfishness and sinfulness, my self-will, my rebellion, it's sin. You are holy. Lord, please anoint me to the burial of self, that you alone might reign in glory in my life. Forgive me, dear Lord, for seeking to do things my own way instead of yours. I love you, Lord. Have your perfect will and way in my life. I'm all yours from this moment on, and you're all mine. Use me, dear Lord. Please break me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, friends, for listening. God bless you. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, Scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all Scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting, and feel free to visit our donate page on the site, and you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon, and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so, and a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other members ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.